welcome to the Of The Earth Podcast. This is a place where we take time from our busy lives to remember the planet we're living on, the relations that support us, and our sense of belonging as children of this beautiful earth. I'm your host, Mariana Rittenhouse. Simply put, I'm a woman who sees life where others don't and teach humans to do the same. I do this by leading tea ceremonies, teaching personal tea ritual, and mentoring women in their spiritual reawakening to the earth. I created the Of the Earth podcast to re-inspire your innate connection to Mother Nature, so you can find deeper meaning in life and truly remember why you're here. Because even if you don't believe it, you belong. You really do. Thank you so much for being, and thank you for being here. Let's dig into today's episode. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Of the Earth. So excited to be here with you today. And off the bat, I just want to ground into what's happening in the natural world around me. Today is a slow, foggy day in Colorado. It's actually quite dreary. As I look out my window, I see the mists coming in and starting to creep into the valley, weaving its way between the ponderosa trees. It's just, it's so lovely. We had a hailstorm earlier and It almost felt like there was a cloak just going over the entire house. It got really dark right in those moments before the hail started. (laughs) These little ice cubes started falling onto the deck. And yet here now, a little bit afterwards, we can see some of the sun piercing through the clouds. So... I'm hoping for one of those perfect days that's kind of the best of both worlds. Misty, stormy morning, sunny afternoon. And yeah, I just love the permission that I feel in my day when it's gloomy outside. You know what I mean? It's, uh, it's like, cool. Just stay in. Do whatever you want no need to go outside, no need to venture deeper into the world. And so that feels really great. I actually woke up this morning with a burst of energy to share with you today. And so I decided to make it a podcast day. (laughs) And I don't know about you, but for me, I find that professional creativity comes more in intense bursts every once in a while rather than a steady stream of creative output. I'm just not one of those people who can show up every day to do the exact same thing. And in the past few days, I've been weaving a beautiful beaded patch for a friend. And it's literally pretty much the only thing I actually did on Saturday. We had a tea ceremony in the morning. I dropped by the farmer's market, went to yoga, and then I spent like maybe six hours straight just weaving and it was blissful and I loved it. And yesterday I got back into it and I felt a little bored. So I put it down 
And what do you know? Today, the creativity came full force in an external expression of my love for nature here on this podcast. So yeah, amazing. And I'm sure that tomorrow I'll be on to some other form of creativity. So I'm just reflecting on that today because, you know, I share this, I really share this with you because we live in a world that has so much content, for lack of a better word. And sometimes I get overwhelmed seeing how much people produce, uh, whether it's podcasts or Instagram or books or whatever. There's just so much for us to consume. And it creates a standard that I get caught up thinking I have to follow. And that's just overwhelming. So as I step in more deeply and more committedly to my creative output, I'm really starting to appreciate the flow and rhythm of my own creative impulses. I'm realizing that I don't have to be internally consistent in order to be externally consistent. You know, a previous version of me would have felt guilty for weaving all weekend instead of working on my podcast or an email or something work-related. And yet I'm starting to see that it's actually because I wove all weekend that I'm inspired to share with you today. So it's not linear. Does that make sense? <laughs> That's what I'm realizing more and more in this world. Every day I learn that it's not linear. It's not linear. It's not linear. And it's a great process of deconditioning. And so that was a nice little tangent. (laughs) I'm hoping that spoke to some of you and your own desires to create or your own blocks to creativity Because the truth is that creativity is an an essential part of being human. And this podcast is about the essential human experience. And so I'll probably be sharing a lot about it, even when it's different from the topic at hand. Although I do think a little bit that this did weave into the topic at hand today, (laughs) even though it might seem different, especially that part around you know, using an external standard for a process that's actually really, truly internal. And so let's dig in. The subject I want to talk about today is something that I haven't shared about publicly in a really long time. In some ways, it's kind of the main subject of my T courses, But it's not something I speak to as much on social media or in emails or in any sort of public communication. And that is plant connection. Yes, how to connect with plants. I have a year-long program that I'm currently running, and a part of it is a Braiding Sweetgrass book club, if you haven't read Braiding Sweetgrass, I highly recommend it. It's actually one of the only books I recommend. And this podcast was actually inspired by one of the questions that came up in our last book book club meeting. So one of the women, she asked me, she said, so Mariana, 
what are the books that you would recommend if we want to start connecting more with plants? And if any of you know me, you probably won't be surprised that my answer was none. That's right. I do not recommend books to help us connect with plants. At all. Period. Ever. Nope, nope, nope. Not books. But now, if you ask me, Mariana, I want to read about plants. What are your favorite books on them? Okay, then I might share. Because your request was to read. But then again, I probably wouldn't have any recommendations just because I don't actually read books about plants. I do read books with stories centered around humans and their connection to the natural world. So Braiding Sweetgrass would be an example of that. And I do that because I find that these stories inspire my own ancestral connection to the natural world. They help me remember what's already here inside of me. Because as as I've said before, we're all from, we're all connected to lineages of earth-based peoples here. And so there's something already in me that stories, I notice they just really help to inspire that part of me that's inside. Whereas books with facts, let's say, they just kind of make me feel like I like there's so much that I don't know. And so here's the thing. When we read about plants, we're not learning from them. We're learning a human interpretation of them. It doesn't mean that what we read isn't true, but it's not really getting into a personal spirit-to-spirit connection with the other being. Plants are their own beings. They have the ability to connect with you and be connected with by you. So the same way that we'd say, I am a human being, they are plant beings. We're all beings. And isn't that where we should start? The question I received wasn't that I want to read. It was, I want to connect. And reading is not about connecting with plants. It's connecting with a human who wrote about plants. And that could be through a lens that maybe interests you and maybe doesn't. But the plant had nothing to do with it. You know, I always say this in my classes, but all books, all they were channeled from someone, right? They're... They were, they're someone's experience, and we all get to have our own experience, too. It's not better than or worse than your own. Someone just wrote it in a book that got published, and then you're able to receive it, and so it feels more important, but it's not actually more important. So let's get into an example. So someone could write a book about me. They could have a photo of me in the corner, just kind of how you see that in like botany books. They could have a photo of me in the corner and share some facts. So my species name, my given name, you know, it could be like, this is Mariana Rittenhouse, female, you know, my occupation. They could include some visual characteristics of me so that even if I were around other humans, you could identify me. Um, so... You know, if there was someone who looked just like me, you could say, like, look for, I don't know, mole on cheek. 
And then it'd be like, ah, oh, yes, that one's a Mariana. <laughs> and they could share my positive attributes. And let's say, for lack of a better word, my areas of improvement. <laughs> I definitely have some of those. And so you could learn everything about me. And they would be, you know, they would be accurate facts, right? But if you wanted to connect with me, none of that would really be useful. Because, yeah, I can look at that page and see like, yep, 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 accurate and still feel like, but that's not me. There's something deeper. It's that spirit to spirit connection. So, yes, technically they are correct. But if you read that even about yourself, you'd be like, huh, it's a little boring. Not super interesting, but it's true. And so I would actually challenge that if you wanted to connect with me, you would hear from me directly. You would spend time in my presence. Maybe you would come to a tea ceremony and experience being served by me. You would see how I chose to express myself. So you would see that through my wardrobe or if we shared a meal together, you would see it through what I choose to eat. Uh, you would hear my voice. And so you'd learn a lot about me in that way. And most importantly, I would experience you too. And so it's really through that exchange of energy that we would begin connecting. Not just because you know me, but because I'm also getting to know you simultaneously. That's what connection is. That's how it works. It's not one-sided. Connection is reciprocal. And so this is how we connect with humans. Why would it be different for the non-human world? Yes, it will express differently. But the concepts... The goals, the objectives, those are going to remain the same. And so let's really dig into how we can connect with the beautiful, expansive, life-giving plant world. The green blanket on this earth, we can say. Especially this time of year. You know, those of you in the Northern Hemisphere can see this green blanket covering the earth that's so plush and beautiful. You can feel the swell of joy in your heart with the deepening of the green around you. Mm. Yes, spring, green, I love it. And literally with just that, you've already done it. Congratulations, you've connected with some plants. You've just seen them, you've appreciated them, and you've let them move you. Your heart and your physical being has responded to their presence. And so way to go. You've already begun. You've already begun. We cannot not be in connection. We need to be present and aware of that connection in order to receive the relationships that we're looking for with nature. And so the first thing I want to share on this topic, and I feel like it's really important 
for the foundation of this endeavor, this endeavor to connect with plants. And that is that you have to trust yourself. You first. Your experience first. Again, when we read books, we're just reading someone else's experience versus really tuning into our own. And yes, there's something powerful about other people's experiences and kind of corroborating what it is that we know with someone else's. This is community. But if we reach out to theirs before our own, our experience will always be a little bit colored by what we've already heard or learned. It doesn't ruin anything, but it does change things. So if I were to tell you, sunflowers face the sun. They turn their little flower faces towards the sun and follow the sun in the sky. You would be looking for that to be true when you went to connect with sunflowers. It is true. And you might have learned that on your own. But instead of just seeing the being and observing, you might have you might have been there to receive something different. But instead, ah, I want to track this one thing that I've already heard. And so I, you know, I always say we get to be beginners. And so let's start as beginners and really focus on you first. So yes, let's establish your universal rights here. And that is You have the right to be human. You have the right to connect with nature. You have the right to your opinions, observations, your learnings, and your own personal experience with nature. And even if what you learn is never corroborated by another person, it does not make it wrong. And even if you learn something or think you knew something and find out later that it's factually incorrect, that's okay. It's a part of your process of remembering. You're still on a path that's very trustworthy. You're trying, you're learning, and you're becoming in tune. Connection is about intimacy and presence, not about right and wrong. So let's leave that at the door. And so for those of you who are feeling insecure about stepping into the part of you that already has the wisdom, that already has the ability to connect, and so you're receiving this guidance today, you get to just anchor into the fact that connecting to plants is a part of your right as a human being. And so you're already worthy and you're already all that you need to be in order to begin this process. Okay, now that we have this beautiful foundation of yes, I am worthy, I am ready, and plant connection is available to me, let's start. So first I'm going to suggest getting out into your local landscape and just being in nature. There are plants everywhere, and I often find it easier to let them come to me rather than the other way around. Why? Because if I sit around in my house wondering what plant I want to connect with, it usually comes from my mind and not my heart and body. And that sneaky little, I want to be perfect, I want to be a good girl, I want to be right, 
that little sneaky part of me, conditioned part of me, comes out and tries to take over the decision. It's also often based in what I know. (laughs) And let's be honest, I don't know much. I have a very limited understanding of the natural world. Even though I'm here talking to you about it, I still don't know much. We're all in this great remembering together. And so if I were to actually research how many plant species are around me, I would maybe know a handful of them, and there's probably hundreds, if not thousands of them. (laughs) And so it creates a pretty limited pool of plants to choose from if I'm going from what I already know. And I'd rather have more options. And I'd rather be surprised. And I'd much rather be chosen. I love being chosen. (laughs) The feeling of being chosen makes me feel seen and reciprocated with. It makes me realize, huh, this isn't actually that weird or crazy. This plant wants to connect with me as much as I want to connect with it. And that's awesome. And so as you go on your walks in nature, and I say walks because it's not all going to happen right away. It might take some time, but again, relationships all about commitment. There may be a plant or two that just keep calling your attention. You notice them over and over again. Trust that feeling. Trust that knowing. Check it out and ask yourself, okay, I keep noticing this plant. It wants to connect with me. Do I feel the same way? Is this a plant that I not only notice, but that I want to get to know more? This might come through for you with feelings of awe or wonder. Maybe you're humbled by its beauty or curious of its energy. Whatever it is, remember that you have free will and choice, so you get to decide if you want to reciprocate. It's not like you have to, with every single plant that you notice, go into a deep connection with it. But if you're, you know, starting in your journey and you want to find that one, you just ask yourself, okay, is this, is this mutual? If yes, yay, amazing. And if no, cool. You get to acknowledge the plant, say thank you for this little connection, and keep moving on. When you've found a plant that you want to start getting to know, wonderful. Start getting to know it. It might sound strange, but the first thing I like to do is introduce myself. Being to being. Because again, don't forget, plants are beings. They are beings just like us. They don't function the same way as us. They don't communicate in the same way that we do. But they do communicate and they do connect. They are alive and they are very intelligent and they are their own sovereign beings. So yes, first things first, I visit them and I say hi. Literally, I say hi, I'm Mariana. I'm excited to get to know you better. I really believe in this part. Even within my tea course, Start Your Own Tea Practice, everyone gets a bag of tea that says, and that's their first instruction, hi. So nice to meet you. 
And from there, the world is my oyster. So here are some of the ways I personally like to connect with plants. I greet them with excitement whenever. Okay, so I'm walking by, I see them. Hi. Hi, Rose. Oh, look at that sweet Rose. Hi, Yarrow. I just acknowledge them. I strike up conversations with them. I let them know how I'm doing. I ask how they're doing. I sing to them. I've been known to sleep by them if there's one that I really am connecting with in a deeper way. I make offerings to them. That could be giving them some water. All plants need water. Maybe giving them a sacred plant of offering or some bird seed that will really um, enrich the ecosystem and environment in which they live. Our songs are also offerings, so that's something to think about as well. And we know, you've probably heard this, but we know that plants respond positively when they're played music. So sing to the plants. They love it. And I also watch them. You know, I spend at least a year in this space of connection. Because as we travel around the sun, which is our one year, we have the different seasons. So I watch what happens to them in each season. How do they transform I just notice and keep an eye out and spend time with them. Some plants are thriving all year round. And even so, there will be seasonal shifts. Some plants are seasonal. Some plants flower at a certain time and then create fruit at a different time. You know, I just see what's here. What is their cycle? And I also take note of how they make me feel. And I see, do they show up for me in different ways in my life? So if I really started connecting with lavender and then all of a sudden everyone in my life gave me, was like giving me little gifts of like a lavender pillow, a lavender bath, a lavender this, I'd be like, oh, wow, this plant's showing up for me through other humans in other ways. And so I'll track that too. And then of course there's consuming or ingesting plants And when it comes to the consumption of plants, there are a few caveats that I want to share. So we can actually like pick or harvest plants and then work with them in different ways. You might drink an infusion of a plant in water or take a bath with them. You might eat them. We eat plants all the time. And of course, you'll want to make sure that you've properly identified the plant and made sure through research that you can actually consume them externally and internally. So that's important. Um, If you're connecting on more of a spirit-to-spirit level in some of the ways I said before, you don't really have to do the extra research. So if you're singing to plants or (laughs) offering some water to them, you don't have to make sure that they're not toxic. To humans. But it's always good to check. So an example is you don't want to be touching a plant and then learn later that the plant you chose was poison oak. <laughs> and then you find out by having um, by having skin inflammation and rashes that it was poison oak. So you want to just double check. You can identify what the plant is once you choose it. That's always the first thing. And if it's safe, you know, you can always consume it. 
But here's the thing, and this is, I feel, very important, and that is we do not need to consume plants in order to have a meaningful connection with them. I often don't harvest plant parts or consume them until I have a more intimate relationship with them. You know, I believe that ingesting another being is really intimate and powerful, and I like to leave it for later, for later in the relationship to see if that's even a part of the relationship. And of course, I always ask permission and request to harvest a plant or go deeper before I do. Because yes, plants will consent to working with you in a deeper way, and we don't want to treat them disrespectfully as though they're just here for human consumption. It's really easy to believe that in our conditioned minds and in this society, but plants are not just here for human consumption. And just because we don't understand their quote-unquote use (laughs) doesn't mean that they don't have the right to be here as well. So really important that we remember their sovereign, remember their, their own being, and just really honor and respect that as we work with them especially when harvesting them. Okay, so after connecting with your plants in ways, in however, whichever ways feel good to you, really important to express gratitude and say goodbye. And maybe even let them know when you'll be back to see them again. Always, it's like, We can always forget to express the gratitude, but just express gratitude for their being. Gratitude is such a beautiful human energy exchange. It really fills up another being. And gratitude can be expressed by just cultivating that energy in your heart and sharing it with that plant. So remember when I was like, oh, maybe the plant makes your heart, you know, feel like it's expanding or um gives you a sense of awe or joy just letting that channeling that energy to the plant is a beautiful way to offer an energy exchange and share with it your gratitude in a language that the plant understands because so much of how we communicate even if we think about oh we're using words so much of how we communicate is actually psychic okay so trust that And there it is. (laughs) That's how I recommend starting to connect with plants. It's simple and yet so profound. And a lot of that profundity comes from the commitment and your willingness to show up. That's really where so much of the power of the experience lies. That you were willing to actually put the plant first instead of a human's interpretation of the knowledge of the plant first. That, you are, that you're willing to be curious, to go slow, to be patient, and to build relationship, not just factual, like a library of factual information, but really going to the plant. And so I'm going to share with you today one of my own stories of plant connection, just to illustrate some of this. And 
This all happened when I first moved to this home where I live in the mountains of Colorado. It was a very different landscape for me. I've never lived somewhere like this. I was raised in more tropical environments. And um, it was winter when I moved here. It was cold. The land was quiet. There weren't many plants alive at that moment, except for the evergreens. And regardless, there was one plant that kept catching my eye. Literally, I would walk around, I would just see it, and it was like eagle eyes, like, there's that plant again. (laughs) There's that plant again. And, um, And I had no idea what it was. It was just this tall stick in the ground, and it was dead. It wasn't even alive. So I wasn't looking at it in its glory but I could feel that its spirit was strong. Even in its dried up state, I couldn't help but look at it and keep asking, what is that? (laughs) I'd never seen it before in my life. And so I let this attraction guide me. And without even knowing its name, I started saying hi. I started singing to it, making offerings, especially these sweet emotional offerings of love and delight whenever I'd come across its path. I eventually learned that this plant is called mullen. Some of you might know of this plant. And my inspiration and awe grew more and more as I watched new mullen plants come up in the spring. Leaf by fluffy leaf. And then its central stalk would just started to shoot out the ground and finally these beautiful yellow flowers on the tip of the stalk. When I looked up mullen, I found that this plant is used medicinally for the lungs. It can be smoked. And also the flowers are used as eardrops when they're steeped in oil. And then also mullen is known as nature's toilet paper. (laughs) Those fluffy leaves are apparently what you look for When you're out camping or need some toilet paper out in nature, they will be very gentle on your bum. (laughs) And so, yes, this is all well and good, but I knew that it wasn't why I was connecting with the mullen. I don't have ear aches. My lungs were okay. And I didn't need toilet paper out in nature. So it was all good info. But I could tell I'm here connecting with this plant more spiritually than on a physical level. And then about maybe almost a year in, one day a friend comes up to me and says, hey, I was reading this book and the author talks about mullen. It made me think of you and I think that you might like it. And of course I'm like, amazing, cool. And I got the book and I read the book. And I learned that the author's interpretation of mullen from a spiritual perspective was that it is a plant whose medicine is related to grief. And I found that interesting because grief is an emotion that from a Chinese medicine perspective is associated with the lungs. And So that's, yeah, and so I got this other interpretation that, again, was based in a more of a spirit-to-spirit connection, and it was that this beautiful plant helps us with our grief. And I was like, hmm, this is interesting. 
But what I didn't know yet was that I was about to go through the most difficult time in my life. And the amount of grief I was about to experience would feel almost suffocating at times. And when those times happened, I knew that I had my sweet Mullen here as an ally on this journey. And that my ability to process grief, the strength I'd built in myself and in my lungs and in my emotional body was from connecting with this plant over the past year. And then on top of that, the author of the book actually became one of my mentors just for a few years, but still a very important part of my journey and a beloved soul that I cherish deeply. He helped me through this grief portal as well. So I really feel that the Mullen not only helped me by being here on this land when I was going through a really difficult time, but also by introducing me to a human guide that was instrumental in my healing process. And yes, this is, I truly believe that Mullen helped me with that. That that connection created this in my life because I was open to listening and I was open to following my heart's attraction to this plant, even when it didn't really make sense to me. And another thing I really want to get across in sharing this story is it doesn't matter what a book says about Mullen. I know all that I need to know for now. When it comes to my relationship and connection with Mullen, I have a very deep and cherished one. And it doesn't involve me knowing facts. And I never need to know those facts in order to justify the depth or profundity of that relationship. It's personal. It's between me and the plant. And it is powerful. I think more powerful than if my mind were more involved. The experience that I had is something that can't come from reading, only from experiencing, from showing up, and from being present. You know, connecting to plant knowledge and facts can happen very quickly. I could Google something and have a whole list and sound really smart. But getting to know plants, these primordial beings who live long lives and serve profound purposes on earth. That takes time. A teacher once told me that when you find that plant, that plant that you want it want to connect to, that you're feeling so called to, work with it for a year. Let it take a year. Spend one turn around the sun with it. And just focus on that plant. Don't try and collect all of these you know, tons of plants so that you can know as many of them as quickly as possible. But stick with that one. Let it move you. Let it show you. Let it teach you. And all of that deep listening, especially as we're in our relearning process, our re-remembering process of how to listen to the non-human world, it just takes time. So let yourself go slow. Let yourself stay open to the mystery of non-human communication. 
Let yourself be supported by something you don't understand and may never need to. There is a whole world out there waiting to support you just like the Mullen supported me. And all you have to do is drop your mind and surrender into not knowing. <sighs> okay, so are you inspired to connect with the plant yet? I hope so. And I hope you get out there this summer and choose a special being to share some time with. And remember, you really just have to choose one. I always like to talk about uh, Susan Weed, who's a very well-known, well-respected and famous herbalist. And she always says that, you know, an, a great herbalist only needs to know, I don't know, I think it's 10 plants and she can cure everything with those. So we don't need to know everything. We just need to know the few intimately. It's about depth. Um, we want to be in the depths, not in the shallows. And so I would love to hear about who you decide to connect with, how this lands with you, along with any stories of your own amazing plant connections. I'm always so inspired from by them. This podcast is hosted on Substack, so you can head to marianarittenhouse.substack.com and in each episode, there's a little recap and there's a space for comments. And so you can share your comments there and I'll be there chatting with you guys. And I can't wait to hear more. And lastly, just because I know that this will come up for some people, but in case you're curious about who the mentor is or what the book was in the story that I shared, I'll just say it's private. <laughs> and I say that a lot. It's private. You know, I really believe that some things are meant to be personal. And so I'm not going to share that here at this time. But I will say that I trust your path and your journey and know that if you stay open to receiving all that you need and all that is meant for you will find you. You can't miss it. Okay, loves. Until next time. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode. To stay tuned for future podcasts and new offerings, sign up for my newsletter at marianarittenhouse.com. And if this episode resonated with you, I'd love to hear all about it. You can reach me on Instagram at Mariana de la Tierra. That's of the earth in Spanish. Oh, and if you're ever in Boulder, Colorado, you should definitely join us for tea. My students and I serve tea ceremonies two to three times a week at my home in the mountains, and we'd absolutely love to have you. You can see the schedule and sign up on the ceremony section of my website. I want to give special thanks to our beautiful Earth Mother and all of our relations for constantly inspiring me and this work. This beautiful podcast music was created by Castanea David Brown. As always, thank you for being, and thank you for being here. Until next time. <laughs>